It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question. You can email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Fire Away Fridays are always special for us, and uh, many times... uh, we have to do something a little different with Fire Away Friday, and this is one of them. This is a pre-recorded Fire Away Friday. Now, it's not a, a rerun. It is fresh and new answering questions that Alex and I have received just recently, and we want to try to answer those. And uh, we appreciate you listening. Don't turn the radio off say, well, it's old. No, this is fresh and new. So we hope you'll enjoy it and God would get the glory. Alex, it's always good to to just share from God's Word and answer questions that people are asking. It's always good to do that, isn't it? Well, it really is. And the Bible is God's Word, and the Bible does have all the answers for all the questions of life. And, uh, Bert, I believe it's more important than ever that everybody really, well, number one, know Jesus personally, and through faith in Christ, you can be saved. But then, as a Christian, to diligently build our life on the Word of God. You know, somebody that I love to read after who really touched so many millions of lives was a man named A.W. Tozer, T-O-Z-E-R, and he wrote a classic book called The Pursuit of God. I've, I'm rereading it, and I would I would imagine at some point in your journey, you've heard of Tozer and read I've some... I've read that th- book and heard of him many, many times. Yes. Oh, yeah. He was an amazing 20th century Christian leader and um, died in 1963, but even though he's been gone, you know, roughly 60 years, Tozer's influence uh, lives on. But I was reading something. I thought this was really good. He was talking about if if you really want to know who you are and and do some inventory and really kind of look at the state of your heart, he said seven things that will tell us who we are if we honestly look at them. Think about this. And Bert, frankly, I find it convicting. Okay, number one, what we want most. Number two, what we think about the most. Number three, how we use our money. Number four, what we do with our leisure time. Number five, the company we keep and enjoy. Number six, who and what we admire. And number seven, what makes us laugh, what we laugh at. He says those seven things really define who we are. And, you know, part of what we do on Exploring the Word, we teach through books of the Bible And we do take questions. By the way, if you would like to send in a question, we're going to go over a lot of questions today. But if you want to submit a question, uh, you can send an email to word at AFR.net, W-O-R-D, word at AFR.net. And your question, will get to it, might be the uh, content for a future show. But but those things, you know, what, what is most important to us, what we admire, what we think about, how we use our money, um, you look at those priorities and it really does uh, reveal what we're all about inside, doesn't it? It really does. And when you look at those questions, I agree with you, they're very convicting. And uh, But I grew up here, and if you want to know something about your priorities, check your bank account, you know, mm. and uh, where where's your money going? Because a lot of times... That answers the question, what you do in your leisure time. You know, your bank account oh, yeah. may answer that. And so, so many of those things, the priorities you have, what's important for you. And so, it, you know, it goes along with let a man examine himself to see if he's in the faith. 
first of all, you want to see if you're saved. And then after that, you want to examine yourself to see what needs to be changed and corrected. Because, listen, Alex, every one of us, we are a project. (laughs) God's not through with us yet, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's still got some things to do in us, through us, to us. And for others, and uh, yeah. I, I just I want to be, I, at least I want to be on the cutting edge of that anyway. Can I tell you one more Tozer quote? Then we're going to go to some questions because you know the 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 older I get, um, and I'm in my fifties, the more I think about time, and you know even if somebody lives you know ninety or ninety five or a hundred years, I mean that's still brief in terms of eternity. So we want to make every day count and make every hour count. Tozer said, uh, when you're killing time, remember time has no resurrection. So <laughs> Ooh, yeah. one life to live yeah. will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Was it in Ephesians where it says, or redeeming the times or making most yes. of the time? So yeah. uh, that's what we want to do. So on Exploring the Word, this this hour close to an hour that we're on, we want to make the most of it. And you help us by sending those questions, like you say, to word at AFR.net, and we try to answer those questions on the air. And uh, so we don't want to just to... You ever heard of people that are answering questions, nobody's asking? Uh, Hmm. That doesn't do very effective. So we are trying to answer questions that people are asking. And by the way, this is the Friday after Sherathon, and we want to just yes, praise the Lord yes. and say a big, big thank you to those listeners that are involved and participate. And uh, so we, we thank God for them. This radio wouldn't be very much effective if it were not for those people who were listening, Alex. Yes, and we appreciate you all so much, and we, we thank the Lord for everybody that's been praying for Sherathon and those that are giving. It really is making a difference. You know, Bert, here lately, you and I have gotten quite a number of callers who've said that they, you know, either came to the Lord or someone they cared about, you know, heard the, the gospel, or maybe they came back to the Lord, and this this program was an encouragement. So we give God the glory. You know, we're we're just... Bert and I, we're excited about Jesus. We know the power of the scriptures to change your life. And you know what? We're just, every day, I think we're kind of just like kids, you know, on the playground, just so excited about what God's allowing us to do, so excited that we're hearing from you about the the Bible and the Lord Jesus changing lives. And so thanks uh, for everybody praying for Sherathon listening, spreading the word of American Family Radio Network. And we're, we're in this together to call our nation to Jesus Christ. Amen. Even uh, this past weekend, I was preaching, and I had two people come up and talk to me about how they love exploring the word. And, and uh, they said, man, we enjoy it. And I tell them, I said, you don't enjoy it any more than Alex and myself <laughs> enjoy being on the program and letting, hopefully, we're trying to let God use us. And that's her desire. God, uh, let Bert move over and you take over. And uh, yes. so that's that's what I want. Well, Alex, uh, I know you have a list of questions that's come to us. Are you ready for the first one? Well, let's do it. You, okay. you want to kick it yeah, off? You, yeah, this first one that, that was sent, and and I think we can order it, and it's about Rahab. Uh, I found that interesting because I love the story about Rahab. Did oh, yeah. God condone Rahab's lie? 
Now, I think, first of all, we need to talk about what she did. Uh, and, and I love to put it, it when I think of that, I, I know that it wasn't American West, a Western, but uh, she said they went that away, you know, <laughs> and yeah. uh, she, they were on the rooftop hi- hiding out, and she said they went that away. Did mm-hmm. God condone that? That's the key word, I think, condone that. I, I remember before I got all the words, I read a man who said, you know, when uh, sometimes, and he used the idea of divorce, why did God permit divorce? It was caused the hardness of their heart, but it was also why did he permit it? He didn't condone it. He permitted it. He did it to avoid a greater evil, you know? And yeah. and sometimes what I know what Rahab did, what she did, she said they went that away and they did mm-hmm. not. She was avoiding a greater evil of those men being found out and killed. Uh, yeah. what, could she have done it a different way? Well, you know, could she have done this or that? We don't know, but we know that the the you know the the authorities came to her home looking for the spies. She she basically said that the Hebrews had left town, but they were hidden on the roof. And different ones have said, well, you know, should should we applaud the faith that she exhibited, not the truth she concealed, because she she really did conceal the truth. But you know what? Um, while God doesn't condone sin, obviously God is righteous and sin is an offense against God and never do we really have a license to sin. You know, the genealogy of Jesus, the birth of Christ in Matthew chapter 1 verse 5 says that Boaz was Rahab's son. Isn't that something that Rahab made it into the recorded genealogy of the birth of Jesus Christ? Now, let me say this. There was a a great scholar who lived, and he passed away, I think, in 2019, Norm Geisler, and he used a phrase, and I really kind of almost hate to bring this up because it really kind of opens a Pandora's box, but he talked about absolute truth, but he talked about graded, G-R-A-D-E-D, graded absolutism. In other words, if... um, Speaking such that it would save a human life, you know, it would be all right to do that. Uh, We should never lie. We should never consciously plan to distort the truth or mislead anybody. But like during the Holocaust, when, you know, I think of the family of Corey Ten Boom, that um, Corey Ten Boom's father hid Jews in their home, and that was against German law at that time, but it saved lives. I think about Oscar Schindler. And this kind of underground railroad almost, whereby people were saved. And Dr. Geisler and other Christian ethics experts would say, when it comes to saving a human life, um, the the lie was permitted. I'm, I don't know that I would use the word condoned, but it was permitted, wasn't it? It was. Let me give you one more, an example of that. If you, Alex, was going by a house and you noticed smoke was coming from the roof of that house, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you knew the people in there and you thought they may be home, especially maybe this person that is bedridden, you know, and I see mm-hmm. fire coming from there. You go to the door and the door is locked of all things. 
What mm-hmm. if you kick that door down? That's breaking and entering, Alex. Vandalism. That's vandalism. But you break that door down and you go in and you find that person that is bedridden and you're able to get them out and save their lives. Do you mm-hmm. think the police are going to charge you with breaking and entering into a house that's burning? Good, I know because there's like Good Samaritan laws, you know, in medicine. Um, if you are in good faith trying to help save somebody's life, administer maybe maybe you're you have a moderate knowledge of of CPR or mouth to mouth resuscitation, and you you don't completely know what you're doing, but you're trying to help somebody or save a life. Uh, there are Good Samaritan laws that uh, you know. Let, let's say you're trying to do CPR on somebody and you you don't quite get it right. They can't legitimately sue you for some sort of uh, violence or, or harm because you were trying to help them. And the police wouldn't charge the person with breaking a, a lock or kicking a door in if it was done to save the life of somebody who was in danger of, of that fire. And you know, clearly, there are a lot of hypothetical situations we could bring up. Um, that's why I really do think it's important to study Christian ethics um, obviously, in the case of Joshua chapter 2, God is not condoning something unethical or sinful because God is righteous. And so, you know, I don't think Rahab, it, it might be too strong to say that she lied because she might have hidden the truth, but she didn't really uh, mislead the people for any ill will. It was to spare the life of the, the Jewish spies. And not only were their lives saved, when the walls came down, she had those family members and friends inside of her house. They were saved as well because of Rahab's faith. Hey, we'll be back right after this break. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. It's a Fireway Friday, all questions for the whole hour. I do want to say this is a pre-record, but listen, this is not a rerun. You're not listening to a rerun, that, but but it is a pre-record because Sherathon has been going on all week, and on the day after Sherathon, there's a lot of work to do in terms of uh, the gear that they set up and things like that. But we do want to say with all of our heart, how we thank the Lord for each and every one of you. We thank you for your prayers. We thank you for your financial investment in the souls of people as we evangelize and educate and equip uh, proclaiming God's Word via radio. And so these questions have come in through word at AFR.net, and we appreciate that very much. And uh, Bert, I've got another question, and uh, this is broad, but uh, we want to get as many in as we can. But somebody emailed and said, how does anyone really, and this said in italics, really, how does anyone really know what God is like or who God is? Bert, what would you say to that? I would say you're not the first person to ask that. There was, let me see, an apostle who is following Christ and said, we want to know the Father. And Jesus responded, have you been so long with me that you do not know that when you have seen me, heard me, watched me, 
you have seen the Father. Jesus, Alex, uh, that's that's what he's really like. So I would say get into the Bible, all the Bible, but pay close attention to the Gospels and just saturate yourself in the Gospels, starting with a, the Gospel of John and just see what Jesus is like and you will see the Father. Now, that's a biblical answer, but I, I guarantee you it is accurate. Go ahead. Well, you know, Psalm 42, verse 7 says, Deep calls unto deep. And the, the full verse says, Deep calls unto deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Boy, that is so poetic. And the, the deep calling out of the human heart, Who is God? How may I know God? What is my life all about? What is my purpose? Bert, I believe these questions that we grapple with are because of the image of God in the nature of man. The Bible says we're made in God's image. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says God has made all things perfect in his time, and God, listen to this, has set eternity in our heart. You know what, Bert, as secular as the world gets and as busy and just uh, the modern world, they say Christianity in America at least is shrinking. But I I want to tell you something. As long as human beings are around, the human soul is going to ponder, who is my creator? How did I get here? Who is God? Now, how do we really, really know factual information about God? Because he's revealed himself. See? Um, we look around the creation and we know there had to be a creator. Uh, but scripture tells us who God is. Jesus, who rose from the dead, has revealed how we can know God. And so, Bert, I'll say this and I'll throw it to you. Number one, we can know definitive truth about God. Yes, you can know what God is like, a, a holy, merciful but righteous God. We can be certain that we have a relationship with the Lord. Uh, If we've come through faith in Jesus Christ, many scriptures say that we can be confident, and not only we know who God is, what God is like, we know how to come to God, and we can be sure of it, and we know that when we leave this world, we are ready for eternity, and it's all through Jesus, isn't it? It is. God is, and we can know him. Let me just read, answering that question, I think, uh, Hebrews 1, verse 1 and following. God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Uh, Yes, you can know God, and it is the God of the Bible. It is the God who created. You remember, we've been studying the book of Jonah, and uh, he was out there on that ship, and it was tossing and turning, and they, he drew straws, and it was him. He was a fault. And they said, <laughs> what about your God? And he said, my God is the one that made the earth and the waters. That is our God. He is the creator and redeemer. And the whole Bible is about those two actions, God's creation, man is part of it, his fall, and man's and God's redemptive power. 
So I, I love Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Alex. He has spoken to us in times past, but in this present day, he's spoken to us through his son. Uh, there's no better way to know God, and really the only way to know God who he's really like is Jesus Christ, him Amen. coming into our lives, and then you live in your life. Hey, Alex, you remember that old, old song? The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, yes. have you found that? I mean, you're, you're talking earlier about being over 50 years. I got you a few years. And okay. I, if I could sing, I'd, I'd, I'd start singing that song. The, the, you know, the longer we serve him, the sweeter he grows. Amen. And, you know, I'll say this, we'll go to the next question. But when it comes to things like, you know, issues of the modern world about, you know, well, there's so many issues. And, and we say, well, you know, God is not okay with sin. You know, there's not been any sin declassified. And people might think, well, gee, it's presumptuous. You know, who, who are you to think you can speak for God? Well, no, God has spoken for himself in the pages of Scripture. And the Psalms tell us that God, in the heart and the mind of God, he says in Psalm 132, that he honors his word to the same degree that he honors his own name. And so to say, well, uh, God says this, and we come to the Lord this way, and we, we all must allow Jesus into our life, that's not being presumptuous or arrogant or something like that. I mean, we are merely repeating what God has revealed about himself in those trustworthy pages of Scripture. Amen. Hey, this other question, I, I like it, and I, you're, you're better at this than me, but I've got some thoughts, too. They're really writing about a way to witness on a single page. The person says they call him a track or something like that. Is there mm-hmm. a simple way to share the gospel? Oh, Alex, wow. the Roman road has been around. I don't know who started the Roman road, except they found it in the scriptures and they started using it. You know, the four spiritual laws, uh, Bill Bright, you know, there's so mm-hmm. many that, and then D. James Kennedy, when he would do his evangelism explosion, I love that question you start out with, you know, if you were to die and you appear before God and he asked you why I should let you into my heaven, what would you say? Uh, that's about as good a cutting question to introduce it than any I've ever heard. It well, exactly, exactly, and and you know what um, the the word tract uh, you don't hear that word a lot anymore the, like a gospel tract, but um, you know in early America they would share things about the American Revolution uh, on a, a tract. You know there was a lot of publishing going on in the 1700s, and there were tracts about. Government. There were tracts about morals and things like that, and it's it's very interesting. The word T R A C T tract means well. We use it like a tract of land, a piece of land. But in in terms of publishing, it means to pull something along. Isn't that something? Um, a, a tracking device. Okay. A, a gospel tract. We're hoping to pull people toward Jesus. Now, how to do it? Very simply, in one page. You know, I've often said, if I, I've asked people this challenge, I'll say, if I could share the whole Bible in one verse, summarize the whole thing. Could I share one, one single verse of Scripture that is basically a summary statement of the whole thing? And people sometimes they'll say, Yeah, okay, sure. What? And there are a number of ones to pick from, but, you know, one is Romans 6, 23, and it says, 
for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, there's a lot of talking points. Sin, there's a result, a wage, death, and how sad it would be if the story ended there. But the gift of God. So God has a gift for you. What do you do with the gift? You receive it. What is that gift? Jesus Christ, eternal life. And so... Uh, basically, four things that must be understood. Listen to this, and Bert, you um, supplement this if you want to in a second. But when you're sharing the gospel, folks, sin, sin's result, God's provision, man's response. Okay, sin. We've all disobeyed God. We've fallen short. We're, we're, we're all guilty sinners. What is the result of sin? Separation from God eternally if it's not resolved. And then what is God's provision? He sent his son who loves you, who knows your name. The punishment for sin that I deserve, you deserve, was put on Jesus. And if you'll accept this gift and say, Lord, I do believe in Jesus. And when he died on that cross, he did it for me. Lord, I'm asking you, save me. Be the Lord of my life. Come in and forgive me. Redeem me. Help me to follow you. So we've got sin Sin's result, God's provision, man's response. And we hope that response will be yes. Amen. You're talking about Romans 6.23. Notice two words that are used there. Wages, that's what you've earned, and a gift is something that is given. It makes it plain. We cannot earn our salvation. Uh, the Bible says that our very best are is filthy rags in the sight of God. Our righteousness, the best that we can produce. So uh, if you're listening today and you do not have that personal relationship with Christ, but you're trying to be a better person, uh, you're trying to live up to a a model that somebody has told you about, I, I, and you find yourself desperate and say, man, this, this is like trying to fight fire. I I get one out and another one starts. You can't win that battle. You surrender your life to Christ. I love the word surrender. Uh, I know some people say commit, and it's okay. But, uh, you know, when you commit something, it you retain ownership. When you surrender mm. something, you give up that ownership. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. So the best we can produce is not enough. We've missed the mark. And what Jesus has supplied, his, his life, his death, his resurrection, is sufficient. Would you trust him? Would you turn away from your way? Turn to him. Surrender your life to him and say, Lord, I am yours now and forever. Alex, uh, a track like that, four spiritual laws, the... You know, Billy Graham's, what's uh, there? Peace with God. Peace with God. I knew you would know it. It's wonderful. You know, there's a lot of those out there that helps. What is the best testimony? Uh, A life that's been changed. And then when men ask you of the faith that's in you, when they ask you of the difference that's in your life, be ready to give an answer with meekness and fear. And it's surrounded in Jesus Christ. Look what he's done for us. Alex. He's made a difference, and he can make the difference in people's lives today if they'll turn to him, won't he? Yes, and, and I applaud our listeners, the, the listener who wanted that information about a simple way to share the gospel. Uh, thank you for having the heart of an evangelist. Um, hey, here's a question from Shelley, 
who's a listener, and she says that her husband is concerned that Jesus's name or Jesus's title is not really used with respect. And and I won't read the whole letter, but um, you know, people talk. She says, you know, kind of in a in a casual way about Jesus, but um, we should. Her husband says even human kings get more respect. Shouldn't we uh, say Jesus Christ or Jesus the Christ? Uh, because it, Christos, Greek word meaning the anointed one, um, are we really giving Jesus the reverence that his name and his person is due if we just talk about it maybe uh, a little too casually? That's a good question. Alex, you know, I understand where he's coming from, but, you know, don't over overstate it. At the name of Jesus Every knee will bow. It doesn't mm-hmm. say it doesn't give his position, which is Lord. It doesn't give his title in that case, which is Christ, Christos. It gives his name at the name of Jesus. Every knee. There's power in that name. And you add his position, Lord, or you add his title, Christ. Uh, does it add to it? Uh, it doesn't add to the power of the name. But it does it does show respect. I, I would agree with that. There's, uh, you know, my professors that I had in college that had earned their doctorate degree, uh, you know, call them doctor. And I've got friends that, you know, when we're casual with one another, I'll use the first name. But sometimes when I'm introducing, like you, I'll say Dr. Alex McFarland. So there is something to what this question is about. I think there's something to that. Yeah, uh, and there there is, you know, three times in the Bible, um, Romans eight fifteen, uh, Galatians four six, and Mark fourteen thirty six, we are invited to cry Abba Father, which is an Aramaic word for Daddy. You know, uh, Paul and Jesus both use this about crying Abba Father. So while let me just say this, I believe in reverencing the Lord. You know, to show reverence and honor to God, absolutely. In fact, I've had a couple of publishers, you know, when we'll, in writing, say, um, you know, turn to God because He loves you. Um, There is, you know, do we capitalize He? I always do. And publishers will say, if you want to capitalize all words for deity, you can do that, just be consistent throughout the book. And many, when you talk about he or him, many publishers don't capitalize. I always do. So I believe in reverencing the name of God and of Jesus, but the Bible does say we come to him like a child comes to their Abba, to their daddy. It is a unique relationship. It's a relationship that cannot completely be Explained, It can't even be completely understood, but we have it. He's made it known to us. We'll be back right after the break. Now, back to the Bible study. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, and we're this is Friday, and this is a special Friday. It's the Friday after Sherathon, and I'm just telling you, just about everybody putting in the long, long days and exciting time. Uh, they're worn out, so 
This is a pre-recorded program of ex- of exploring the Word on Fire Away Friday. It's not a not a replay of an old one. It it is new, and we're dating it by saying it's the day after after a Sherathon, so it will not be used again. But uh, we're glad you're listening, and we've got two or three other questions that are, I think you would want to stay tuned and and uh, get an answer and hear what we have to say about it, Alex. It's been a great week with Sherathon, but it's also yeah. a great Friday. Ready for the weekend, brother? Exactly. I hope everybody will be in church on Sunday. And, uh, you know, any chance you get, take somebody to church to hear the gospel. And, you know, Bert, I was reading a, a study back a couple of months ago, but it was talking about of, uh, you know, young adults that have no church background whatsoever. And there are many. There are many people nowadays that they've never really been to church. But do you know 80 percent, eight out of 10 unchurched people said that they would be willing to go to church if they were invited by a friend, somebody they trusted, they would attend a worship service or church service. So I really do think we have a great opportunity to bring people under the sound of the gospel. And, you know, Bert, we, we got a question from New Mexico. And by the way, I'm, I'm just thrilled that we're being heard in New Mexico. I love the lower Southwest my goodness, some of the most beautiful part of America out there in New Mexico and Arizona, and I've been out there to preach in quite a few places, but we had a listener in New Mexico that was asking about baptism and the significance of baptism. And uh, let me just say briefly, Bert, God gives us a lot of um, wonderful pictures of what the gospel is and the fact that we have a relationship to Christ. And And I want to be clear and, and Different churches have different ways they handle baptism. But let's be clear, being water baptized is not what washes your sins away. Um, It is an identification, just like I I wear this wedding band, and, and putting this on was not what got me married. I mean, I tried on a wedding band in the store years ago, and I wasn't yet married. What got me married was becoming espoused to Angie. And we've been married now 30 years. So marriage is an event and a journey together. And salvation is too. Now, I wear this ring and it it publicly shows that I got married. But putting on the ring wasn't what got me married. Well, baptism, Bert, I believe it's identification with Christ. It's identification with the local church. But the baptism shows that our heart has been changed and we've put our faith in Jesus. And there are many verses about that. So, um, you know, I appreciate the question. I I don't want to unpack it too much because we could go for the whole show. But um, I, I put it this way, Bert. Water baptism is an outward symbol of an inward reality that we've put our faith in the Lord. And Jesus said uh, in the Great Commission, he said, you know, go and teach them these things and baptize them. So identifying with Christ through baptism is important. And the identity, and Alex, we don't want to lose our identity. I, I think that's what's happening a lot. Uh, identities are lost. You know, they can't keep up with gender. They can't keep up with what they were made for. But in Christ Jesus, he's set us free and, and the water baptism is identifying with Christ. Again, I love it because it does show the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in immersion. And those that pour or sprinkle, listen, I just want to tell you, uh, if, it's, if that's illustration of the Holy Spirit 
covering your life. Praise the Lord for that. But yes, it's an identifying mark and Alex, good answer. Hey, here's the next one. And we've just gotten Easter. We're not too far removed from Easter. So this one came in, I think, close to that because they were thinking of that. And it's Mark from Florida. And he says, my question is, what did Jesus do Easter morning, the morning of his resurrection? Well, we know a few things he did. He appeared to Mary, and he appeared to Mary and the ladies. He he made some very important appearances, did he not? He did. You know, I would say that what did Jesus do Easter morning? Well, for one thing, he proclaimed to the world his victory over sin, death, the grave, Satan, the fall of Genesis 3. I, I think he proclaimed his lordship and his victory to the world and to all the centuries that would transpire since then. Would you agree? He did. And he made, we know of five appearances he made that day. Now, the last one was when the, uh, there were 10, they were originally 12 apostles. Judas betrayed him, went away. And then Thomas wasn't there that day. You remember that, you know? And Jesus appeared to all of them behind locked doors. Locked doors yeah. couldn't keep him from them. And he said, peace to you. And he breathed on them, the Holy Spirit. But the neat thing about it, he came back eight days later to the mm-hmm. same group, and Thomas was there. And yeah. uh, Thomas had declared he just didn't believe unless I can put my hand on it and do all that, you know. But when he saw Jesus, you remember what he said? My Lord and my God. I think it's one of the greatest declarations you'll find in the Bible. And Jesus said, Thomas, you've done good. You've you believed because you've seen. Blessed are those that will believe and yet not seen. And, and let me just say this. We haven't seen, uh, and it's not in the Greek language, but we haven't seen yet. But one day we will, won't we, Alex? We'll behold we will. him, won't we? We will. And, and let me say the resurrection, the empty tomb, how that Christ, after having died on the cross, buried, three days later was alive, risen. Uh, this is the core of the Christian message. I mean, really, um, you know, doing the right things, living morally, uh, righteous, holy living. I mean, there there are a lot of belief systems that say, be good, you know, do right, avoid the wrong, but only the Christian good news. And this is why all the denominations over all the centuries, regardless of, you know, Protestant, Catholic, Greek Orthodox, look, we all proclaim the Son of God rose from the dead. This is so unique. And Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher in England a hundred years ago, Spurgeon said that the most powerful presentation of the gospel emphasized the resurrection. Romans 1.16 says that uh, the, the gospel is, quote, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so we need to emphasize the resurrection. Let me just say one more thing, Bert. In business, and I'm not, I'm not reducing the Christian worldview to business principles or anything like that. But there is, in business, the idea of what's called the unique selling proposition. You know, tell, tell the people what you do that nobody else can do. Maybe your business does the best at this, or you provide this or that service. What is unique that we're offering you that you just can't get anywhere else? Well, when it comes to your soul... Look, no other belief system can say God 
took on a human body, paid our sin, and rose from the dead. The tomb is empty. Christ is alive. You, the believer, will live forever, too. Only Christianity can make that promise. Amen. And listen, it's only through Christ. He is the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through Him. He is the only way. There is no other way. God doesn't have plan B. He doesn't, you know, uh, there's alternate routes. You ever heard of those, you know, alternate routes? There's no other alternate route. It's only through Christ. Well, Alex, do we have any other questions that we could answer today? You know, here's a a rather interesting question. Uh, Actually, it's a a couple of parts with Craig who's a listener, and Craig says, thank you for your program on AFR, and Craig, we thank you for listening. But he asked a question about the Nephilim in Genesis, uh, giants, and we get that question a lot. And he also talks about, um, of all things, somebody was showing him a video trying to argue that the earth was flat. Now, we know that's not true because, you know, the Bible says God sits on the circle of the earth. By the way, what was interesting, Bert, was that even before, you know, satellite photography or our trips to the moon, Isaiah 40, verse 22, speaks to the spherical nature of the earth. Uh, it says in Isaiah 40, 22, that the Lord sits on the circle of the earth, meaning sphere. And that's interesting because, uh, you know, from outer space, you could see that the the globe, the the planet floats in the heavens and uh, there are other verses we could reference, but we know as uh, part of the biblical worldview that the earth is not flat, it is spherical, and God hung the stars in space, the planets. But I, I want to focus in on one other part of this. He says, uh, what about the book of Enoch? E-N-O-C-H, the book of Enoch. Because, Bert, um, I remember years ago I was a little kid and there was this tabloid from the grocery store, and I'm not going to give the, the name of it, but uh, there was an ad that you could buy the, the, quote, lost books of the Bible. And I remember I was 12, 13. I thought, wow, does that mean, are there some of the books of the Bible that are missing? Something that was meant to be in there that isn't? You know, what was it? And so there, there are plenty of things that uh, try to arrest people's attention um, you know, Genesis 5 talks about Enoch, but there's no part of your Bible that's that's missing. And so there's not a book of Enoch that was supposed to be in the Bible. Now, there are uh, historically Jude even quotes from a book that, um, you know, was attributed to someone named Enoch, although we don't know that it was the Enoch of the Old Testament. But let me just say this. The Bible we have is the Bible God gave, and uh, there, there was a process, we've talked about it often, by which uh, the Old Testament, the Jews, were meticulous in preserving their Scripture, but the New Testament, the apostles recognized the books God had given, and while there might be some historical curiosity related to things attributed to Enoch, um, they actually were ancient writings that really we don't know that they were really of the man from Genesis 5, but nowhere did the early church ever recognize such as Scripture. So the Bible you've got is the Bible God gave, and you can depend on it. Amen. I, I will not try to add anything except to say amen. Here's the other question. What does the Bible teach about angelic beings, including Satan and demons? 
Well, let me make one or two general statements. They are created beings. Uh, let me say about Satan, he is not the brother of Jesus. Um, you know, there's no way he was an Good included. Point. He was, uh, I, I really do believe that you find his story uh, in Ezekiel and Isaiah about him being thrown out of heaven. Angelic beings, angelic, the word an- angel is a transliteration of the Greek word and it means messenger. They're messengers. Now, what do they do? They take the message of God and and share it with others. That's what Gabriel did again and again. And demons, there, there's some, uh, I, I think there's fewer, uh, let me say this, make sure I say it as correctly as I can, Alex. Uh, there is uh, less information about demons' origins. We, we think we know we believe they're the fallen angels. Does, is that all the demons they are, or they could be more? I, well, I believe that's it. But uh, we know about angels. We know a good bit about Lucifer. The demonic activity is, we know it's active. It's not, I'm not sure we can, uh, be careful. Let me just say it this way. Be careful how much you dwell on on the demonic and spiritual warfare of the demon demon. Alex, I found mm-hmm. out the hard way. I have a great, great friend. His name is Tommy Vincent, and Tommy is a man of God. And I was telling him about me trying to equip the church where I was pastoring about spiritual warfare. And I said, every time I start preparing and every time I start getting ready to preach it, I, the oppression, uh, heart difficulties come. And he said, Bert, you don't dwell upon demonic activity. You don't dwell upon Satan. You dwell upon Christ. And uh, then you put those Satan and demons in perspective. I found that great advice, Alex. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we are aware of Satan and demons, his minions that were kicked out of heaven. And they're, look, they're at war with God. And part of the reason that Satan has tried to steal and kill and harm humans, he can't kill God but he's tried to harm and kill the ones made in God's image. Know about them, but really don't obsess. Don't focus too much. Focus on Jesus, Amen. who's delivered us from the power of Satan. And the New Testament says that the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of Satan. And so one last thought, though. The caller asked, what does the Bible teach? I'm glad you're going to the Bible for your source of information, because there's a lot of lies out there. Uh, Galatians 1.8, you know, says that uh, if if even Satan or an angel were to preach a different gospel, let them be anathema. So let's keep our source of data about spiritual mat- matters. Let's make sure it is the Word of God. Um, Bert, uh, there are so many questions. And by the way, folks, we want to thank you for always listening. Um, you can send us questions and correspondence, word at AFR.net. Um Here's one, and I'll voice it how it's often asked to me. What does the Bible teach about capital punishment? What should Christians believe about the death penalty today? And Bert, I've sort of, as a similar way of asking this, I've had people say, how can you be a Christian and be for capital punishment for convicted murderers? Um, do you want to speak to that, or you want me to? I just say read about the difference in the moral law in the Old Testament. I think it should be used sparingly. I just say that very, and I think it should be definite, knowing for sure if it is used, Alex. 
Hadn't got yeah. much time. Speak to it and take us out, brother. Well, you know, earlier in the show I said we need to read about Christian ethics, and this is as good a question as any. Uh, Norm Geisler's book, Christian Ethics, is really good, but life is so sacred that if someone is convicted of having taken a human life, they pay with their own. That's capital punishment. Uh, But I'm with you, Bert. It should be used sparingly. Folks, we want to say thank you for listening to this edition of Exploring the World. Thanks for supporting share Hey, tell somebody about the American Family Radio Network, but most of all, always tell people about Jesus. Jesus.